0: Hey everybody, this is Joe Langworthy again with Thomas Wolfel here with uh, Tailgate Talk, a 6-Column Sports Podcast. This is episode five. Uh, We are recording it on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to uh, all the fathers out there, especially Eli Drinkwitz, who is Sam Pittman's dad. Um and uh Dennis Gates, I think he has kids um i don't there's not a joke there i don't I don't know what team he has owned. he's only has one season, so um, but yeah, happy father's day uh, I know Mark and Don might be our only two listeners. I don't know if your dad actually listens, but
1: <laughs> uh, to be frank, I don't know if he could figure out how to listen <laughs> well if he does he's gonna he's gonna have comments on that uh <laughs>
0: Uh, But yeah, so we're going to do a a mailbag episode on this one. Uh, Just going to go through some questions that we've received from various people, including uh, my father sent us a a question or two. Um, But so to start off, this wasn't one that was directly asked, but I thought it was uh, interesting uh, that I saw posed on Twitter. Uh, Sidelines Mizzou had a tweet this week alluding to changes at both Perot and Mizzou Arena. Um, I think the the changes at Faroe that are rumored are um, they're going to remove the track apparently, which has been called for for a long time. And then at Mizzou Arena, we knew about the video board. Um, they're going to do a new video board, which is interesting to me since they just did one a few years ago. But uh, And then they're also rumored to be changing the color of the seats from a pale gold to black. Uh, and so the tweet from Sidelines Mizzou um, said, "What changes would you make to the athletics facilities if you were AD?" Um, and I kind of added the the caveat of, "You don't have to worry about raising money, so this can be as uh, as crazy as you want." Thomas, what do you what are you thinking? What 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 would be your
1: priorities for facilities at the University of Missouri? Well, I'm going to go first off. I'm going to I'm not going to talk about facilities that they practice in because that's not anything i get to see anyway so right uh i'm not even going to discuss that just real quick on the the three pieces that i mean the seat color changing uh Mm -hmm. that's nice but when you have butts in them it doesn't really matter what color the seats are so that was that was my thought uh, too who cares what color they are (laughs) if they're full it, should, it shouldn't matter cuz yeah it shouldn't matter cuz if someone's sitting in it you don't see it anyway it did look rough when we were at had tough times because it's very obvious when there's nobody sitting in the gold seats i've seen stadiums now where they like they alternate different colors and different shades of black and maybe black and gold and gray and it almost looks like there's people in the seats when there's not um but when there's people sitting in it, it, doesn't really matter. So I hear that, and I, it's probably it would be a nice update to make it black. It would probably make the arena look cooler. But I don't know how much it really matters. The scoreboard probably needs an update, um, and the track. Now, have you heard anything? Is the the getting rid of the track? Are they going to add seats, bring the seats closer to the field, or because that's the one change I would make? Uh, no. So they're they're
0: they're going. All they're going to do. I, I don't know this for a fact. I don't have any inside knowledge, but I almost guarantee all they're going to do is blow up the track and turf it. It's just going to be extended sideline. Um, the, 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 the word that we've always gotten is that Faro was built basically on bedrock. And so it's impossible. Um, well, I shouldn't say impossible. Anything's possible, but it is very cost prohibitive to try to lower the field. Um, which mm-hmm. is the only way you could really build more seats in there. Um, and so they're not going to lower the field. Um, and I think all that we're going to do is they're going to turf the track um, and it'll probably be turfed in a way that the, the you know, fire truck that goes around the stadium can still drive on it um, because it doesn't have to be playable mm-hmm. turf, you know, they're
1: gonna turf they're gonna turf it to look like the concrete that, <laughs> that it already is <laughs> possibly very <laughs> possible
0: um yeah so um yeah it'll just be turfed over if if it, if they're actually doing that it'll just be turfed over uh which i think is probably a, an okay thing uh you know we've seen players you know when you're running in cleats and you go from turf right on the concrete, mm-hmm. that's true. it's, it's, it's dangerous. And so, mm-hmm. um, I don't think we've actually had injuries from that, but we've had guys fall and it was like, Oh, Whoa, this, that's kind of scary. Um, so I understand doing that. Um, and I don't think that the track really serves any purpose. It's not used as a track anymore. Um, obviously, uh, like it was originally, way back when but um so it doesn't really serve a purpose so i don't really see any any problem with that um but yeah so those are those are the the rumored changes and i think for the most part they'll be they'll be fine but um
1: yeah so what what else would you do what else would you uh, Yeah well i would try to get i would for field i would try to get fans closer to the field and i know right now i i know we've got you've got kind of the, the grassy knolls almost i don't know for sure how much closer with the current um, with the current build of the stadium you can get fans to the stadium or to the to the field but I think that would be probably um, the change I would make. Uh, I know having you know talked to to coaches at other schools while I was working there that um, I've been told that the, that Mizzou's field is probably the least intimidating to, place to go play in the entire SEC and the reason why, is in large part because fans are just a long ways or long distance from the field compared to other places. I mean, you go to other sec, uh, stadiums and the fans are right on top of you. They're, they're breathing right down the backs of the opposing team. It gets, you know, it's extremely loud for them on the sidelines. And so that's the change I would make. I would like to bring fans closer to the field. Um, I think it would make things more loud. You'd be able to get students closer to the field, which, um, I think would make a big difference, especially in the early time slots at Mizzou. Obviously we tend to get a lot of the 11 a.m. starts and it's difficult enough to get people to show up on time for an 11 a.m. game and have them excited and ready to you know, cheer on the football team at 11 a.m. It doesn't help that they're also so far away from the field. So I think that would be my big change is to take a look. Um, Like you said, it sounds like maybe there's uh, serious issues in terms of uh, inability even to, to put the field lower into the ground. But if there's a way to get um, young college fans closer to the field, that's the that's what I would do first. I can't imagine I don't know for sure what that would cost, but that's what I try to do because um, I think that's really a big piece to creating an atmosphere that, that teams are nervous to go into Is you know, making sure that they hear everything everybody, everybody says when they're shouting at them. What, what yeah. do you think? Is there something, is there something you have in mind? Well, I think there's, there's my unrealistic, never
0: going to happen uh, changes I would make. And then my, my more realistic, um, I think my, my unrealistic money is no object. Let's just go ahead and do it. I'd build a new football stadium. Um, I like Farrow. I, you know, have a lot of good memories there, but I do think that there are issues. And if it's cost prohibitive to do the things that you just said, let's build a new one that's, that's more suited to what we need. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think one of the, another reason that, that Faroe is not intimidating, uh, quote unquote, um, you know, is, is, it sits so low. It's it's underground. Right. And so when you drive up, you know, when you drive up to Alabama, you drive up to LSU, you drive up to Tennessee, the stadium is super high. You know, like you look up and you're, you know, it's, it's intimidating because okay. you're yeah. like, this is going to be full. You drive up to Farrow and you're like, you know, there's about 30 rows of seats here, which isn't true because right. – Uh, there's another 30 below ground, ground. um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that's probably not actually true how it's probably not that low, but um, you know, it's not a intimidating, it doesn't, it doesn't shoot up into the sky kind of look to it. Um, And so I think there are a lot of issues with throw Um, it's old. It's, it's got its issues. Um, So if money's no object, I'd build a new football stadium and, you know, you could probably build a new football stadium for $250 million. But if you build a new one, you're going to have to build new football facilities. You're going to have to build a new indoor practice Mm -hmm. facility, um, which, you know, turns it into probably a billion dollar project. And I just don't think that that's, that's feasible. Um, And so my, my more realistic athletics facilities um, wants would be again, have a lot of good memories at this building, but knock knock the Hearn Center down, um, rebuild a um, smaller venue for Olympic sports, even and for women's basketball. I think they don't need to be. I mean, until they're selling out Mizzou Arena, they don't need to be playing at Mizzou mm-hmm. Arena. Have a have an arena like thirty five hundred to five thousand seats for. Bas- or for uh, women's basketball, gymnastics, wrestling, um, volleyball, um, and stack that, them right on top of each and stack other. Stack them right on top of it, yeah, and mm-hmm. and make it so that that's an intimidating environment, even if there's only thirty five hundred people there, because they're right on top of you, and it's it's contained, and the noise is right on top of you, and um, it'd be better for every single one of those sports. Um, have a lot. It would have a lot smaller footprint. You could put it right there on stadium um, around like kind of behind the softball stadium in between the softball stadium and furrow have on either side of it, have areas that could be utilized by football game day, Mm -hmm. um, you know, have a stage there that they could have live music and all that. um, And then have a little pavilion or uh, an area over on the other side for softball um, for their game days. And um, you know, a, a porch to watch from, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then with that, I would also build a new baseball stadium, um, probably over in that area near the softball stadium because Taylor stadium is if, if for not intimidating, Taylor stadium is the le is less intimidating and it's the coldest place in Missouri. Um, right. I don't, I don't know what it is about that, that Hill that Taylor stadium sits on, but, um, you know, if, if you look at the weather for the day the the baseball team is going to play, and it says seventy degrees, it's going to be fifty five at Taylor Stadium. And it's going to be miserable, um, and so I think that's the biggest problem with baseball. Um, and we'll we'll transition into that here in a second because that's we do have a, a question or two about that from from people. But um, new baseball stadium, um, I think, would be great. Uh, but it also brings us to to the next question, which is um, asked by asked by Matt Gurno: Is it realistic to ask Mizzou to invest more in their baseball program and their facilities? So, what are what are your thoughts on whether or not Mizzou should invest money in baseball?
1: Um, it's that's difficult. I think that's that's a difficult decision for. Um, for Mizzou to make, uh, you take a look at Mizzou's revenues versus versus other revenues in our conference. I was looking, it actually just came out within the last week or so. Uh, they, they published uh, revenues for the top 25 athletic departments in the country. Mizzou's not on the list. There are nine SEC teams that are on the list, which uh, obviously you've got and, and that's not including Texas and Oklahoma, which are also on the list. So eventually we'll have 14 teams in the SEC. We'll have 11 of them in the top 25 in revenue. We will not be on that list, which puts us somewhere between 12, either 12, 13, probably not 14. I've got to think Vandy is is, is dead last on well, the list. Well, there'll be, so be 16 teams in Oklahoma and Texas. There's 16. You're right. Yep, you're right. So anyway, bottom five in revenue. We're probably not last, like I said, with Vandy, but – that makes it very difficult to compete at that level. Um, I think I saw and, that we were 12th in revenue. this year. Okay. So, 12, so two, out of four. I think there's two below us. Yeah. And they, maybe, I'm maybe just, we were 11th. I want to say there's two or three below us. And I'm sure yeah, Vandy is uh, one of them, obviously Vandy. And then probably one of the two teams in Mississippi would be my guess. If I had the, right. if I had to bet money on it, but and both Mississippi teams have had a lot of success in baseball. Uh, but it is going to be difficult for us to compete at that level, unless we can generate more revenue to help, help with those teams. So I think really what you've seen is, uh, you know, Desiree Reed Francois has put a lot of time, a lot of effort into um, the basketball team and the, the football team, as I think she should. Those are your two big time revenue generating sports. She's done a lot to try to get, fans like we just talked about, um, you know, kind of the atmosphere at Ferau. She's done everything she can to add more night games, moving now two consecutive years, that first Saturday game, which is always an 11 a.m start to Thursday to try to get a night um, to try to get a nighttime atmosphere. She's doing everything she can to get students to basketball games, trying to get them to football games early. Um, she's doing everything she can to generate as much atmosphere and as much fun around those two programs, because that's where your um, that's where your revenue comes from. So I think at this point, we're probably if we're being realistic, we need to continue to pour resources into those two sports until we can um, have, uh, you know, very regular success. If we can win eight football games a year and you're filling up that stadium every single uh, game, that's when you can start to turn your head towards baseball, softball, some of the Olympic sports that are um, underfunded at the SEC level. I just don't know for sure that, you know, they're putting a lot of time and effort into uh, creating NIL funding for the two major sports. I, it's my understanding that our baseball team doesn't even have an NIL collective, which obviously is going to make it difficult. I know that um, I. We, I don't think our baseball team charters anywhere, whereas, I mean, LSU will charter just about everywhere for their baseball team. They also are in the top 10 in revenue in the country. Um, so it just becomes very difficult. It becomes one of those deals where you've got to generate the revenue first to then put it into kind of the, the secondary sports, so to speak, before they can start generating their own revenue. Because if the baseball team's winning, they'll start selling tickets. But before you yeah. have that money to invest, you've got to start, generating it through your football and basketball team. So I think it'd be tough to do more than those two sports right now. And that's, that's, I think a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow, but that's just kind of where I'm at. I don't know if you've got different thoughts on that. No,
0: not, not real different. I think um, one thing Mizzou baseball has going for it is we have, I don't know if it's uh, uh, more, major leaguers than any than than other programs i doubt it is but we have some very successful major leaguers um that came from the program um that for whatever reason were not embraced by this last um coach and so and those are the kind of guys that if they if they do want to put money into the program you can put money into the program because, you know, Max Scherzer, if he gives money to Mizzou, it's going to be for the baseball program. It's not going to be for football or basketball. And so True. if it's specific money for baseball, I think, yeah, put money into it. Um, you know, my my kind of thought is that, um, you know, uh, Desiree Reed-Francois just hired a guy, Blair DeBord, I think is his name. Um, he was a baseball player uh, at, I want to say, at Oklahoma State or Kansas State, one of those two. Um, a big 12 team and has been a, an administrator um, was actually at Memphis, which is where Karen mm-hmm. Jackson was from. Um, and I think he's supposed to be kind of overseeing the baseball program. And so, you know, my thought is you have a guy like him, have him build relationships with Max Scherzer, Ian Kinsler, Kyle Gibson, Tanner Hawk, um, you know, Pete Fairbanks, these guys that are in the league making money, um and then if carrick jackson catches lightning in a bottle and we have some success that's when you pour money into it um yep. you know don't pour money into it into a program that sucks um and you know if carrick jackson doesn't work out in 3 years, 3 yep. years 5 years go get another guy you know you don't have to you don't have to throw money at the program until you have something to throw money at you know we right. don't have to we're not going to we're not going to catch um, LSU, uh, um, Bandy, even um, in baseball by throwing money at it because they're going to throw just right. as much, or not, if not more. We're going to catch them by finding the right guy and investing in him um, and his program. And until we have that right guy, don't waste the money. Right. You know, if, if, yeah. if, I- if Max Scherzer and Kyle Gibson want to give money
1: now, put it aside until we can. Mm-hmm. You know, until well, we even if you it. even if you put it in there now, I think that's fine. It's just going to be a situation, at, at least the way I view it is, I mean, it's going to be a lot like the wrestling program, right? Mm-hmm. the The wrestling coach has done a fantastic job of getting mm-hmm. that program up and running every single year. They're a top program, but he's been his own fundraiser. Mm-hmm. He's he's been his own administrator. He's built his own program. That's something he's had to do on his own. If if I've won the lottery and went to uh, Desiree and said, Hey, I've got, you know, a million dollars I want to give, where should I give it? She's not going to say, go give it to the wrestling team. No, she's going to say, give it to the football team or give it to the basketball team yeah. or, you know, give it to us to then give to one of those teams. And I think you're going to see very similar situation with baseball. It's a deal where if Kerr Jackson can go to um, the major league baseball players, we have, uh, that, like you said, have been extremely successful. I know, heck, uh, Max Scherzer's recent contract was like a two-year, $80 million deal. If he can get some of that money, then obviously that will go towards the baseball program and help them to be more successful. It's just going to be a situation where Carrick Jackson's probably going to have to be his own fundraiser. He's going to have to work very diligently to build those relationships himself. Obviously, if he thinks DRF needs to be on a phone call to help raise money, she's going to jump on the call. Right. She's also going to be more focused in general fundraising efforts towards the other two teams. So I don't think it's impossible for them to do. I just don't think it's something where the top level of the administration is going to make it a high priority right off the bat. But I do think I do think it's possible for them to have success if the coach is able to build those relationships himself over the next two to three years to, Mm -hmm. you know, build that sort of funding base. Um, Yeah. So. And I heard
0: him on I heard him on Dave Matters' podcast mm-hmm. um talking about basically he was saying and I don't know how true this is I'm not a baseball coach I'm not really I you know stopped playing baseball once we hit kid pitch basically um but uh he was saying that you know the main thing that they need is the analytical resources the pitch tracking swing tracking stuff that I'm sure is expensive, but it's not that expensive. And other than that, they can get their work in in the cages that they have now, the facilities they have now, and there's no real excuse. Just because Mizzou baseball doesn't have lockers that have PS5s in them like LSU, and they don't have nap pods, okay, you know, like, that's fine. They can still... create a good baseball program without that stuff but they need the tools like those analytical programs and i think that that's the kind of thing that that's an easy investment to make and i think Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that we can go ahead and do um you know and it it helps that i assume a lot of that stuff can be shared with the softball program so you know we can we can share some of that and and um kind of cut the cut the uh budget because it can be split between the two teams and i know there are a lot of people that donate to softball because softball has had more success than baseball recently so right you know you can you can have you can buy the programs that can be used for both um, yeah. i don't know if that's actually feasible but that was kind of a yeah. you know interesting little tidbit that i heard him say and i liked his attitude about it
1: yeah and there are other things too that you can you can leverage to help recruit i mean you're Uh, you're trying to bring kids in from St. Louis and really the Missouri areas where you're going to build the base for a baseball team. You've got to show one, that the technology you have isn't so far behind everybody else that it's going to hold them back, but then two, okay. Yeah, cool. Kentucky, they charter places LSU, Alabama, they all hop on charter flights, but Max Scherzer comes for two weeks in December to get his work in. And you know, if you want, you can swing by and watch him pitch and talk to him about pitching. That's a recruiting tool. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are things that they can do that don't cost money that can help them at least get back to a, you know, a level at which as Mizzou fans, we'd be excited about um, that, you know, they can start doing right away. It just starts with building those relationships with those players. Like you've mentioned, eventually that will turn into some sort of of money. I know the original question was whether or not Mizzou should be pouring resources into it, that this all kind of goes to our answer is no but there are additional resources they can go find that will help them be successful um, and hopefully be competitive fairly quickly. Right. Yeah. So
0: um, I think we've, I think we've covered baseball enough. So we'll, we'll just skip ahead a little bit, but uh, next couple questions that we have are uh, football related Um, Mizzou Patriot. And I won't, I won't uh, reveal the identity of that person, even though I do know who it is, um, will the offensive line be better under the new coach, under Brandon Jones, who was who was recently hired? Um, what are What are your thoughts on what Brandon Jones brings to the table?
1: Well, I like the hire. Before we get into that, I mean, the real question is going to be worse. I don't know that <laughs> I, I don't know how much worse the offense the offensive line can get. But Where I mean, you that? know me. I, I, um, towards the end of the season, I was, I know I was talking to you about, uh, I think needing, we. I thought we needed a change at that position in terms of mm-hmm. um, who was coaching it. I didn't feel like we were recruiting at a high level at that position. We were struggling to get top transfers in at that position. And the guys that we were bringing in weren't developing very quickly at that position. Um, and so I think that bringing in the new coach is going to be, definitely a step in the right direction. He's already shown, I mean, he brought um, Cameron Johnson with him in from Houston, which tells me that uh, obviously the kid likes him and that's a player that he was able to develop into a very good offensive lineman. So I think we'll be in much better shape uh, come this fall at that position. I think he's going to have a, a big part to do with that. You already look to it. um kind of the guys looking at coming here. There are two or three offensive linemen. We've already got one that's committed, but there are a couple others that seem to be very interested in um, coming. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the position coach. So I think we'll be in much better shape. And uh, the, the I think it was the right move um uh, making a change of that position. And it seems, at least to this point, as far as we can tell, it's been a good hire.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, I don't know how different their philosophies really are or how different Mm -hmm. their ability to teach the the position is. But I do think that it was, it was a group that needed a jolt. Um, They needed something different. Um, Right. You know, I'm not, I don't think Marcus Johnson is a bad offensive line coach. I really don't. Um, I think he's proven other places that he, that he can coach offensive line. Uh, I don't know what the issue was last year, really um but whatever it was, they didn't respond the The team did not respond well to what he was bringing bringing to the table and so I think that um you know he 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 left to go to wherever he went purdue i think um mm-hmm. but i don't think I don't think drink tried real hard to keep him uh maybe yeah. i'm wrong on that but i i doubt he did um and i think brandon jones brings energy um brings an, a new energy at least that hopefully will uh will resonate and i like you said he brought cameron johnson um he you know had some good offensive lines at houston uh had some good offensive lines at texas tech uh and so i i think that he's a capable guy and and it'll be it'll be fun to see what he can do um, because mm-hmm. that is a, we've said it and we'll say it a hundred times before the season starts. And while the season's going, the offensive line is going to be the the group that determines how far this team can go. Um, you know, the, that's, that's the, the underappreciated part of football. People say it all the time, but the reason Georgia and Alabama win, it's not because they have those, those stud receivers. It's because they have absolute maulers on the offensive and de- defensive line. The mm-hmm. football is a game of a game of the trenches. And so if Mizzou can can get going with that, who
1: knows how far we can go. Yeah. And two, you know, you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds for the most part. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have a coach that they want to be around, that they're excited to be around. Right. You look before he came in, we were I know there was a center from um, I think App State that chose somewhere else. There were a number of different guys that came in, visited, didn't have any interest and left. We've gotten a new coach. He's had luck. Cameron Johnson picked us. I think he had a, his, the second team. The team that he picked us over was USC, um, Southern Cal. Yeah, that that shows that he wanted to be with the coach that coached him, and that's right. that's a positive. I think that's gonna you know bode well for us in the future. And you've already started to see, uh, like I said, in you know guys that are gonna be seniors in high school next year, excited to come visit Mizzou. And I think he's probably played a large part in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, our uh, our good buddy Nate Smith asked the last question, which is how good can we expect Theo Weese to be? Theo Weese is the the wide receiver from Oklahoma. Um, I was gonna look up his stats from Oklahoma, so I, we could just chat about that. But what are
1: your initial thoughts on
0: Theo Weese well, and what he can do here?
1: Yeah, why well, you pull it up? I think he had he didn't have a ton of yards. He had a lot of yardage per catch. Um, in 2020, he had
0: 530 yards or mm-hmm. 14 yards per per reception, four touchdowns. Um, so not terrible for a sophomore. Uh, but then this last year as a as a senior, um, which of course you know he had the COVID year. Uh, so he's. In his fifth, and it doesn't look like he played his junior year very much. So he might act, actually have two years left now that I'm looking at it. But uh, his senior year, he had 378 yards and four touchdowns um, for 19.9 yards per catch. So, yeah, not think, a lot,
1: but no. The question was, is he going to be good? I think there's, it's kind of a two part question. Is he going to be good? Well, he's not going to be an NFL player in all likelihood. That you just got to get that out there. But can he be successful? Can he help us to be successful? The answer there is almost certainly yes. If you take a look at last year's team, uh, we had Dominic Lovett, obviously, and you had uh, Luther Burden. They were two very similar players, and you were forcing Luther Burden to be on the outside and play an outside position that I don't necessarily think best suited his uh, kind of his repertoire. So I, Luther Burden, I think, can be a more athletic, a better version of Dominic Lovett on the inside, and Theo Weiss is definitely much better suited as an outside receiver that can stretch the field a little bit and might actually help round out the wide receiver room in a better way than um, we had before. So he, I think he can be successful at the position and do what we need him to do, which is stretch the field. I don't know that he's going to put up massive numbers, but that's not always what you need in a receiver. So right. what do you think? I mean, do you view it the same? Yeah, I mean, I
0: think that – like you said, I think he is a better fit um, at that position. You know, within the wide receiver group um, for the that outside X receiver, um, and that then Bird then Luther is, and Luther is a better fit on the inside than maybe even Dom Lovett. And so, if if you allow both of them to play the position that that fits them better, I think everybody benefits. I think Theo Weiss is going to benefit from Luther Burden and I think Luther Burden is going to benefit from Theo Weiss. And, you know, we say Theo Weiss is not an NFL guy and that's probably true given what he's been able to do so far, but he was also a five-star recruit at one point, you know, he was um, not quite as highly regarded as Luther Burden, but he was pretty, pretty dang close. Um, And obviously hasn't lived up to the billing quite as much as he you know, wanted one, one to. I'm sure
1: he had but, a knee
0: injury at some point, right? He had an injury of some of some yeah, sort. Yeah, um,
1: I'm fairly certain he had it. I thought he tore so his. You know, I could be wrong on that.
0: That never helps. Um, but no, but there are a, a lot of good like
1: wide them. receivers that don't they don't they don't make it in the NFL. You, I right. mean, you've got to think about the team we had last year, and they they had trouble stretching the field. I think for two reasons: one, they had an offensive line that didn't give. Brady Cook enough time to throw the ball deep. And
0: mm-hmm. then, two,
1: we had a lot of receivers that had struggled, had, you know, had struggled getting open downfield. And if there's one thing Theo Weiss has shown he can do, it's catch passes that are, you know, 20 yards or more. And if that opens up the middle of the field for Luther Burden, then uh, yeah. that's going to be a, a positive for the for the wide receiver room as a whole. And, and that's a, that's a talented group. There's more than just those two guys. You've got a number of other guys that are going to be open as well, but yeah. um, He can be successful in the system. And I think that's, what's more important than, for sure. going to be good enough to, you know, absolutely change games every single play. Yeah. He's not, he's not
0: going to have 1500 yards receiving. He's just nope. not, but if he but has he seven, if he has 700 yards and seven touchdowns and allows Luther to not get, double teamed every every play it's a very very successful season for him and you know we're going to touch on that a lot in the next couple months as we as we get closer to football you know I think we're we're planning on doing a little more in-depth preview position by position so we'll talk about Theo Weiss a little more um, along with the other receivers but uh, any any final thoughts in our in
1: our last minute here? No, of, great having, you, great having, great having the questions come in. It's great yep. to see people uh, curious about Mizzou, Mizzou sports after listening. So keep the questions yep. coming. We'd we'll be happy to answer them, uh, and really looking forward to uh, the next give episode. Give our give our uh, slightly
0: slightly educated opinions. Um, you know, slightly slightly more educated than a stranger on the streets. Opinions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that probably depends on who you ask. We, we just pay attention <laughs> a little bit more than other people, but pay attention a little bit more. And we've seen it from both sides of the coin from the outside <laughs> yeah. and from the inside. So that helps, I think. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, so this has been episode five of tailgate talk a six Com sports podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. If you did listen and uh, if you do have questions in the, in the future, feel free to tweet them at us uh, at six Coms. <laughs>